Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Malibu Classic. So sit back, relax, and grab your tubers as we dive into Swamp Thing. Alright, so Swamp Thing. This movie was released May 12, 1989, directed by Jim Wynorski, starring Louis Jordan, Heather Locklear, and Dick Durock. And Dick Durock. <laughs> yeah, what a name, right? I watched this one on Amazon Prime, and I actually would advise it if you're watching an old copy because they did a, a new HD re-release. The version I watched looked great. Very vibrant colors, cool Swamp Thing aesthetic. It lends itself to this era of movie making where everything is bright and neon and oversaturated, so it, it certainly works. This was my first watch of this one. I saw the original Swamp Thing when I was 10 or 11 years old, and... It was very creepy, raw, like real. I was kind of freaked out by it, but my brothers had this VHS of the early 90s Swamp Thing cartoon, and I used to watch that thing to death. It was like the first two episodes of the of the cartoon series. This is a lot more like the cartoon series than the original, and I, I'd never seen this up until a couple weeks ago. Well, this film certainly took a different tone than its predecessor. So let's jump into that plot. We open on a swamp at night. We see a bunch of government agents attempting a raid on an illegal moonshine still. They get turned around and decide to call it a night when they are attacked by a monstrous alligator leech monster. The first guy to be attacked by the leech monster is Morty, and he goes to take a pee on the side of the swamp, I guess. I don't know. It's like really odd where I'm thinking like, you're already nipple deep in the swamp. Why don't you just pee? (laughs) Just pee while you walk. You're good. I mean, they're wearing hip waders, but come on, they gotta be soaked. To the bone. Guy with glasses turns back to check on Morty, who has taken a leak and notices that he's missing before the leech monster appears and eats another member of the crew. And they kind of all disperse. My dude's running away. Trips falls. His glasses fall off. It's a very Velma moment. Yeah, and like Velma, once his glasses are off, he's completely blind, cannot see a ding-dang thing. He scrabbles around in the undergrowth looking for his specs and kind of does one of these moments where he finds some feet and walks all the way up, and it's the leech monster. He's about to be devoured when he is saved at the last moment by your boy. It's Swamp Thing. Here he is in all of his drippy green glory. He comes in live with whenever he's asking them who he is, and he says, They call me Swamp Thing. And I I had a funny note about that. That voice was dubbed over, not by Dick Durock. The director, Dick Durock, none of them know who the actor is that voiced Swamp Thing in this movie. Swamp Thing comes to the rescue. They do this campy little bit. There's some other guys who do manage to escape the swamp, and they come across a jeep full of jumpsuit-wearing folks toting guns, and they ask for help. We are introduced to one of the main bad guys, the security babe herself, Poinsettia, and she puts two right between their fucking eye, and they drive off. That's great. In the book, they call her Points, mm-hmm. and it's like an obvious nickname about her boobs. Oh. And the director asked Luis Jordan if he would call her Points her nickname, and he said, absolutely not. That's kind of beneath me. And then... The director, Wynorski, said, weren't you just in a movie called Octopussy? They never talked again for the rest of the shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. I hope they did this in chronological order, and that was, like, the very first thing. Your main star, you insult him on day one. After we get to that intro from Swamp Thing, we have a intro sequence that is, like, recent Marvel outings. They flash a bunch of pictures of the Swamp Thing over the credits, and it's a lot of fun. I was having a lot of fun seeing all the different Swamp Men as they go by. Even better than the Batman intro. It's kind of cool, and it's also kind of bad, because they're kind of riding on, look at Swamp Thing, he's fighting cool monsters, isn't this great? 
I was super amped. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to see much of this, but it would be cool if this was what the movie was, right? <laughs> Instead of a rom-com swamp murder ballad. A swamcom. Oh, and like any good swamcom, it starts off with an introduction. And we see Abigail Arcane as she hustles and bustles into her shop, which as far as I could tell is a shop for named plants. I don't really get what they do here, but she does have one employee. And the whole time monologues to this poor woman about how psychiatrists for years have been telling her that she needs to confront her business with her stepfather, Arcane. And in this moment, she finally decides to do so. She says that she saw a shrink at some transcendental meditation thing who said that she had to confront her issues with her stepfather. And it was the fourth shrink in four years to tell her that exact thing Mm -hmm. and that she was wondering if it's some big conspiracy well yeah i wonder it girl come on well she departs and she tells the employee eunice she says eunice take care of things while i'm gone my girl doesn't even bat her eye because i don't know what the store does watch the store while i'm away what store What, what are you selling well, one thing I did see, I thought it was pretty funny. They get, did kind of a zoom up on one of the books Unix was reading, uh, and it was Roots. Oh, very funny. And she makes a reference that her plants like to watch that show, TJ What's-His-Name. Heather Locklear was in TJ Hooker, so it's a little little joke for you. It's not the last time Heather Locklear is sent up in this one. The next time we see her, she's riding in what might be the coolest cab ever invented. Apparently, that also doubles as a delivery vehicle for the Baptist Tabernacle and Rib Shack. <laughs> She's observing the beauty of nature around her, and she it's, said it's, it's beautiful. What do they call it? He says, it's a Malibu classic. My cousin Vimo just rebuilt the carburetor. It's a lot of fun. That guy is great. He's really hamming it up. I wish I could have seen this guy in some more stuff. I wonder if that's his whole ass shtick in like real life. Like He was just somebody somebody knew, and they were like, you got to put this guy on film. Uh, Well, he takes her all the way down the road. And at the end of this road, we find the Arcane Mansion. It's an old plantation house. And unknown to Abigail, underneath of that mansion lies Arcane's secret genetic laboratory. A very Island of Dr. Moreau scene where there's a bunch of folks in cages, half human, half animal hybrids. Oh, there's some good ones. The doctor here who's working on these is named Dr. Rochelle, and the actor is Ace Mask. Great name. And he plays a character named Dr. Rochelle in three other movies directed by Jim Wynorski. So, <laughs> movie's just a part of the uh, Rochelle extended universe. Wynorski-verse. He's pretty great. Yes. There's a nice scene with the sheriff who's very horny. Oh, God, insufferable. <laughs> Where he's just trying to figure out what went down in the swamp with those Treasury Department guys. Uh-huh. And I'll have you guys know, I read the novelization of, course. of Return of Swamp Thing. That's what and it it's does. Crazy good. I'll be throwing <laughs> little bits and bobs in here flavor. as we go. There's a Leech Man backstory. Okay. You have to stick around to hear it. All right. I need some more info on this guy. So good. I'm glad you're there with. Damn it. I'm going to give it to you. From the editor. You're that little guy with the asterisk, huh? Arcane is not expecting her visit, but realizes in a moment that he can maybe use this to his advantage. Because her genetic material should be the same as her mother's genetic material and enable him to further his experiments. He just needs to lull her into a false sense of security so that they can complete the process. It's even more sinister because he makes this decision after seeing her. He's like, oh my god, she's beautiful. She looks just like her mother. Wait a minute, we can do science on her. She looks like her mother who has that perfect genetic material. So he's taking a visual aid to say... Well, if she looks this much like her, maybe she's got exact same genetics that I can use. He just horny. That's part of it, I'm sure. <laughs> we also get the chance to see in his underground lab a bunch of crazy creatures. There's an elephant face person. There's some other uh, assorted zombie-looking folks. Probably the weirdest-looking, the creepiest one is the cockroach man. We see him disposed in a Chekhov's disintegration chamber in the middle of the room. (laughs) If they showed in Act (laughs) 1, Cockroach Bob plays himself. (laughs) That's what it says. (laughs) Cockroach Bob is the actor who plays Cockroach Bob. It's in the credits. (laughs) Kismet, baby. It's the role he was born to play. Arcane is doing a little bit of scheming, and he's speaking with his girlfriend slash 
assistant co-experimenter, Dr. Lana Zarell. He explains that he needs her genetic material because the process they used at the end of part one is reverting and he's aging at an alarming rate. The camera pans. <laughs> we get some nice lightning effects and it pans to a picture of Arcane that is intercut with a skull over his face when the lightning flashes. Very campy haunted mansion stuff. I've been thinking about that. I think I want to start using glow-in-the-dark paint and painting skulls on my family portraits so that when the lights go out, you can see, you know, my skull. We met Lana Zarell. That's important to my mission from the book. Ooh, okay. Some leech backstory. (laughs) Lana Zarell has been seducing these psychiatrists to convince Heather Locklear to come back home to confront her stepfather. So you said unexpected visit, not very unexpected, and it is a conspiracy. conspiracy. That leech monster is one of the psychiatrists who came to see Lana Zarell, an ill-advised trip because she uses a hypodermic to knock his ass out and take him back to Rochelle to turn him into a leech monster. The reason he's free Hell yes. is because she can't stand to look at him knowing that she had done the nasty with him. So she gets him out of there. That's wild. All this happens in a hotel that they don't show in the movie where the guy running the hotel, his name is Alan. He has a big beard. You find out he's from England and he's from a swampy part of England. So he's oh, Alan of the Moor. <laughs> in a- <laughs> Alan Moore cameo and he's a precog because he knows everything is about to happen he's like warning people against doing stuff it's crazy definitely worth the read if you have the time she's not crazy it is a conspiracy these psychiatrists have been duped into telling her that she needs to go see her stepfather what psychiatrist would say you need to confront your stepfather i can't imagine that's a normal thing who disappeared your mother arcane's got a ticking clock so things are happening quickly for him We get our last introduction of the movie in... Guys, I'm going to be a bummer about all of this stuff because we are introduced to a little bit of comic relief to young children at Uncle Shed's Resort Park. Completely unnecessary comic relief. Oh, they're the worst. (laughs) For minute one, the ADR and the weird dialogue, I'm a real bummer about these kids. That little fat kid? He's like Goonies personified. He looks like Chunk, and he sounds like Mama Fratelli. Growing up, I did have a friend who reminded me of that kid, and uh, he also had an illicit porn stash scrolled away. Of Young and Easy magazine. It's not the last you see of that. No, it's not. A lot of props, there'll be uh, fake props like Pepco Cola or something along those lines. I just love the idea of some guy in production design going through and putting together a non-pornographic porno mag called, what was it, Nude, Young and Easy? Young and Easy. With just random Chinese characters all over the front. That's how you know it's illegal. Yes, there you go. They're looking through and they're looking up Miss July when a knock comes at the door. They think it's their parents, but it is, in fact, the leech monster knocking at the unlocked door. The unrequited psychiatrist leech monster. Uh He does a bit. He has a sense of flair, I guess, because he waits for them to open the door and scream before chasing after the kids. As much as I hate on these kids, one of my favorite moments in the movie is you hear a little bit of ADR and the chonky kid says, hey, what about this? And the other kid says, no, that's my dad's bowling ball. And you see somebody yeet that bowling ball out of a window at like 100 miles an hour. (laughs) And that made me laugh really hard. There's a perfect bowling ball hole in the window. And then the next scene, the window's completely missing. It's like the next frame. The thing is just gone and they climb right out. Right. It looks like they're about to be eaten by the leech monster when they are yet again saved by our favorite swampy hero, Swamp Thing. He engages with the leech in a pipe battle that ends with most of the trailer park and all of the cars exploding. Another propane tank explosion. Mm -hmm. But lucky for him, he's close to the swamp, so he can escape to the swamp to put the fire out and leech another day. Uh Never mind, he explodes on contact with the swamp. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. 
I feel really bad for the stuntman in that costume because he was on fire for too long. The amount of time and run-up he had before he jumped into that swamp was a very long time. He probably has some lasting damage. I think he has to. I did enjoy that leech monster. That was a cool design. It kind of looked like an alligator elephant with a spiky teeth. It makes you wish there was a lot more monster fighting in this movie than there is. You always want those other monsters that are in the little basement lab to break out. Spoiler alert, they do not. As the trailer park's exploding, the kids are watching the two monsters fight. And one of the worst lines in the movie, one of my least favorite, I'll say, he says... I think he's good. I'm pretty hungry. <laughs> that was spot on. <laughs> I got a good a little annoying voice. It's also really exploited of, of both of these kids. They're doing the most stereotype stuff. Uh, <laughs> the next scene we see, we're back at the Arcane Mansion, and we've got Louis Jordan in a full tux looking sharp as hell. Mm. They're having a formal dinner for their first night at the mansion, and everything's going well. He's very charming. Jordan is killing it. He's actually bringing way more to this movie than it deserves at all, which is kind of a trend that we're seeing is a lot of serious actors going for it in all of these movies. Is he killing it? Or are you juxtaposing that with those little kids and a couple of the other very poorly acted <laughs> players? The security guards, the hillbillies? The security guards. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's doing great. I think he crushes it. I think so, too. Like Heather Locklear, she's she's an actress. She could do stuff, but even she suffers a little bit because I don't think she has lots to do. I didn't know that they shot this movie in 27 days, so I feel like there might have just been a lot of, okay, this is this scene, go for it, which would make a lot of sense. But they have dinner, and it really seems like Arcane is getting to Abby and swaying her, and he says that he has a ring from her mother that he would love for her to have. As soon as she puts it on, it cuts her, so... Zarel can collect her blood. Abby is freaked out by this cut she received from the ring. She flees into the swamp. I guess like she got cut, and Zarel was being a little bit weird about the blood, but she fucking took off. That was wild. She, I mean, why not just leave at that point? It's amazing how good at catching the cue that she shouldn't be there she was because she never has that instinct for the rest of the movie. She gets herself in the dumbest situations because she has no awareness. But there, she has great awareness. Just there. Just there. She rolled a crit 20 right there, baby. Yep. That's it. And it's all ones from here on out. It is all ones from here on out because the next people she encounters are two hillbilly types who apparently do nothing but killing, drinking, and killing. Sick of running over dogs. <laughs> That's not very believable. I don't think he is tired of it. No, he seems like he loves it. <laughs> I think he doth protest too much. Oh, shut up, Goodell. It's time we went to town and got us a woman. I forgot what one looked like. Remember what they look like, Clyde? No, I haven't even seen a sheep around here lately. These guys, even Lincoln Hawk thinks that they were over the top. In the world of arm wrestling, we call this over the top. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, over the top. Oh, okay. Thank you for that. <sighs> it's a great movie. Okay, so Abby is quickly set upon by these hillbilly ruffians. Her perception definitely rolled a one here because she rolls up on these dudes who were loudly discussing how much they are sick of running over dogs and want to kill something. And you always want to kill something. And she walks her up and says, hey, excuse me, gentlemen, I see you're drinking moonshine, but could you point me in the direction of the Arcane Mansion? Which is the direction you just left. Yeah, turn around, girl. At 180, do it. It's a bad decision on bad decisions because they set upon her immediately. Fortunately for her, our pal Swamp Tang was waiting in the wings and swoops down to rescue her beating up the thugs and they have a i guess a meat cute veg cute <laughs> swamp cute a veg cute a beet cute a bee <laughs> yeah. a tuber cute well they yeah. have their swamp romance moment and immediately my girl abby is 110 percent smitten at no point is she ever confused that he may be a man who is in a suit or covered in goop of some kind she immediately knows yep you're a plant with the immortal line hey you 
a plant, aren't you? Are you a plant? <laughs> yeah, she's so on board. Oh, uh, yeah, so she's on board and immediately wants to fuck this swamp monster. There is no hesitation. She wants to get with, she wants to get on his swampy fucking bones. She wants to muck him. Oh. She wants to jump his vines. <laughs> they are unable to perform the swamp nasty at this present time as she is quickly rounded up by some of Arcane's goons. They grab Abby and then shoot at Swamp Thing, who flees back into the swamp where he's cornered, then effectively blown apart by grenade launchers. And Arcane rolls up wearing the coolest pork pie hat. He must pay these goons so much money because not only are they fighting monsters, but they also have to wear really dumb orange suits. I wonder if they're Union. And the health plan, as we'll see later, leaves a little something to be desired. Free blood tests. Back at the lab, Arcane explains to Abigail his full and entire plan in perfect monologuing-ness, and then retires to his room with Dr. Zarel. And while they're in there, Dr. Rochelle interrupts to have a private word and says, hey, Arcane, great news. We've got your whole problem figured out. The bad news is we only have to kill two people, and then you can be fully cured. And Arcane is obviously immediately like, yeah, that's no chill. Let's kill two people. And he says, no, actually, they're two of our people. And he says, yeah, that's the chill as hell. Kill them fools. He says, ooh, actually, ooh, it, one of them is definitely your girlfriend. With no hesitation, Arcane says, well, yeah, obviously, get it together. Unfortunately for him, Dr. Zarel is listening by the door and hears this and goes off to draw a bath. In that same moment, Dr. Arcane heads off to play some very ominous pipe organ music. In his evil villainy room that's filled with statues and skulls and stuff. Yeah. I wonder if there is a music book that they hand out at the supervillain clubs because you can't play music like that on a pipe organ and feel like you're the good guy. <laughs> I'm about to do some evil shit. He kicks ass at that. Previously blown up, we all know Swamp Thing, and we know that that don't mean a thing, the old Swamp Thing. So he pulls all of his various goop parts together and begins to reconstitute himself underneath of the Arcane Mansion, and I guess senses his opportunity when Zarel draws her bath and Swamp Thing's himself into the tub. You think the bathtub is an entry point? Grows a whole new Swamp Thing right there and then. In the book, he says, I could have come through the toilet, but it didn't seem dignified. <laughs> Swamp Thing's come to rescue Abby, locked away downstairs in the secret lab, and then we see head of security gun approach her and try to get something going. Now, Abby's no dummy, so she's going to use this situation to her advantage, and she says, I can't help you at all if I'm in here. So she seduces Gun into letting her out of the cell and giving her a tour of the place. Gun says, It's time to play doctor. <laughs> Bet you can't guess my favorite operation. What's that, baby? And then she says, A vasectomy. And then knees him in the balls. <laughs> yeah, her patella to his jimmies and a beaker over his head. She escapes into an elevator that has the fastest opening close sequence for a door I've ever seen. It literally opens, she runs into it, it closes. Arcane wants his goons prompt. Also, there's no way if there's two people in that elevator that more than one person could have made it in if they were sprinting, let alone two. So Abby's escaping in the basement while Swamp Thing is building himself in the tub. Swamp Thing stomps through the house, just punching dudes right upside the head. Abby gets captured, but before she does, she runs into Dr. Zarel and she gives her some keys. Now that she knows the jig is up, she's working to poison Arcane's plans and lets Abby and her rival, in a lot of ways, escape out the front. Her and Swamp Thing are reunited, and Swamp Thing grabs the keys and then drives the jeep away. There's a great line here where Abby asks, Alec, how did you get here? You might say I was piped in. <laughs> you could say that. He'd be right. That's exactly what he did. <laughs> so Swamp Thing drives the jeep, and as they're fleeing the mansion, all of Arcane's mercenary goons open fire, and they're shooting everything. They're throwing grenades. We got bazookas, the whole kit and caboodle. 
They've got Stormtrooper Syndrome, though. Or maybe, I guess, they're just hitting Swamp Thing and it doesn't matter. I'm not sure. Abby seems to be a lot more effective with her shotgun from the back of a moving vehicle than any of the other goons as she scores a couple of hits and then is pretty handy with her grenade as well, enabling Swamp Thing and Abby to escape. They turn the minefield on. Oh, yeah, there's mines, too. I forgot about that. Sure. You have a little button that says mines on. They put them all in the grass. Why wouldn't they put them on the road? Welcome to Devil's Advocate Corner. Maybe it's to stop the monsters from escaping as opposed to vehicles. So they're just trying to blow up escaping monsters, perhaps. Yeah, had they not anticipated a vehicle. I do just find it curious, though, because the whole point is they need them to harvest their genetic material, but they're also actively trying to expand load them i'm glad you said that in the book they use the fan on the back of one of their boats chops them up into coleslaw and they use some of the goop off of that but in this whenever he escapes he leaves some of his goop on the doorstep and they scoop that up ah yes give me your knife stab that goop (laughs) that's some good looking goop though Mm -hmm. i will say that's some like nickelodeon level goop gack The next scene, we get to witness a freshly rescued Abby and Swamp Thing. He's taking her back to his place, and we get a little uh, swamp romance. Uh, Abby wakes up from her slumber in the morning of her head just leaning on a random stick. Swamp Thing has a line to try to discourage her being into him. He says, I'm a plant. And she says, that's okay. I'm a vegetarian. If humans were to say, sorry, Reed, we have nothing in common, and you say, that's okay, I'm a cannibal. I love eating you. I, I love eating stuff like you. <laughs> I can eat you. I can work with that. I can work with a vegetarian, you say. Yeah, and I guess that's a very sexual thing to say. <laughs> Swamp Thing grows himself a Rudy tuber on his body, rips it off, and then hands it to her to eat for food. Then they, then they trip balls. And the strange idea of them tripping balls from eating a tuber off of Swamp Thing has its root in the Alan Moore comics. (laughs) Pretty weird. They have a psychic trip, and then Abby asks, Is it real? And Swamp Thing says, This is a very coy Swamp Thing, by the way. He says, Well, it could be. As real as you want it to be. Oh, boy. Then we cut to a a real hostile work environment where we see Conklin... (laughs) The security goon who has yeah. the right blood type as Arcane being <laughs> exsanguinated. And I was thinking, mm. do you think that's what happened to Johnny, Johnny Gobbs? <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the bat. Maybe it was Dr. Rochelle. Yeah, well, hold up, though, because, like, Arcane looks like a bat sometimes. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Dr. Rochelle, during this scene, he gets real excited. He busts out his Young and Easy magazine, another Young and Easy magazine, <laughs> And he's talking about how he, he's, like, imagining the model with fins. She'd look great with fins. And maybe flippers. Yes. Definitely flippers. And then Zarel walks in. And there's this very knowing exchange whenever she walks in, which leads me to believe Zarel has caught Dr. Rochelle manipulating his own genes before. J-E-A-N-S. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Let's hope that's all he just stuck to his own genes. Bob the cockroach looked like he wanted to die. If that's really getting him excited, <laughs> then I don't want to know what he's doing with the elephant guy. Let's not chase. Swamp Thing is walking Abby Arcane through the swamp. Ooh, hold on, Sam. I'm going to have to correct you. You're, you're going to have to get it just like in the copy here and tell us what kind of walk they were on. <laughs> so they're having this post-coital walk through the swamp and he says to abby once this was a huge plantation worked by hundreds of slaves some people say their unhappy ghosts still walk here and then heather locklear says i can't imagine anyone being unhappy in a beautiful place like this not even slaves (laughs) abby you can't imagine slaves being unhappy in this swamp oh boy where are we my place sorry it's so messy looks like shit In the book, whenever he takes her to his place, he creates this large, hollowed-out tree mansion. I don't want to shit on the movie and say the book is way better, but even the writer of the book said, well, the movie had a budget of $3 million, the book had a budget of $35 million. You know, I can write whatever I want, and it's much harder to make that happen on screen in 1989. 
Although his place is just three trees. It's not anything. They could have just put a fake door on a mound or something. Nothing. It's just four fucking trees and a flower. Also, she's still tripping balls. So, I mean, it must be great. Abby's quite taken with the place. She's ready to settle down with her little swampy boo. Unfortunately, not to be the case because our little rascals are trudging through the swamp trying to snap a pick of the swamp thing so they can make some money selling the pictures. And while they're taking a little snack break and your boy eats all of the food and yet again, here's another one of those stereotypical scenes. Are there any Twinkies left? No, there ain't no Twinkies. Any ho-hos? There's no ho-hos. Ding-dongs? No ding-dongs. I ate them all. I ate them all, I guess. I guess there's some apples. I don't eat those because I'm a big little fackhead. Like, come on. He's also littering like crazy. There's ho-ho rappers all over the place. I fully expected, like, littering PSA. Swamp Thing walks out. Hey, kids, why are you littering in this beautiful swamp? It's such a great gag. You could do, like, the Han Solo mm-hmm. Lando thing where, like, he rolls up, littering in my swamp, and they're like, ah. But in this instance... They're just captured by some goons instead. Swamp Thing, again, comes to the rescue, telling Abby, stay here. Like, where the fuck else is she going to go? <laughs> he runs off to save the kids, which he does, and then spends a bunch of time mugging it up for the camera with the kids. He saves those kids from the goons with a Louisville slugger. He's shown time and again he's, like, super powerful, but, well, I'm not going to use this bat if I got it. So while Swamp Thing is um, taking selfies with the kids, Abby is yet again captured by Arcane's goons. And Swamp Thing tracks them down to a bog and he sees them escaping on a fan boat. Looks like they were trying to set up was like a cool moment because Arcane kind of like tips his hat and kind of gives like a fuck off. And you see Abby on the boat and everybody's there and the fan boat swings around and shoots off, except... They do a really quick cut because I'm pretty sure they almost wrecked that boat. If you look right before the cut, it dips really hard and like a huge wave comes in. You can kind of see Jardin's little feeties kind of kick in a little panic on his seat. They definitely do. <laughs> There's a scene after this with points and gun and they're showing off their scars and they give them locations and dates. It's like a real sexy Jaws type thing. Granada, 1982 points shows at the top of her boob and there's a bite mark and she's like motley crew toward 1988 <laughs> and the joke there is that at the time heather locklear was married to tommy lee a goon interrupts them as they're getting real excited the goon walks in with this huge gun and no trigger discipline you can't really see his finger on the trigger but you know it's there and gun smacks him over the head while he's has his gun turned at him seemed like a pretty bold move pretty brave those guys at the very beginning, those treasury agents, were fanning each other the whole time. Fingers on triggers, just like, hey, like pointing at each other with guns and stuff. Through this whole movie, these guys are acting real wild. A couple book loose ends. Flavor text, baby. Give me that flavor text. Somewhere in the middle of the book, whenever the moonshiners get away, they get to the hotel Alan Moore is running, and there's a guy in the corner of the hotel who looks all frazzled and stuff. Turns out it's that Treasury Department guy with glasses from before, and he's finally got a point where he can capture these moonshiners, and he pulls his gun out, and he does so. So it ties up that loose end where that dude's alive, and then the horny sheriff He's horny in the book, too. He shows up here at the hotel just because he hears there's a lot of kerfuffle. The Alan Moore character, and he's been telling people wild stuff that he knows what's going to happen. The sheriff says, I think I'm going to head over to Arcane Mansion. There's a lot of noise coming out of there. The Alan Moore character says, don't go there, basically. I mean, he does this big flowery text about why he shouldn't go there. It's going to be Wrath of God type stuff. And the sheriff's like, yeah, I'll just go home and watch TV then. You completely expect him to disregard this and go get busted up, but he's like, yeah, okay, you're probably right. I'm not going to go to the Arcane Mansion tonight. I'll go tomorrow. (laughs) So ties up the sheriff there, too. I mean, I love titties, but it can wait a day, I guess. It can wait. I mean, I'm in no rush. (laughs) They've got Abby at the mansion, and now it's time we're going to see Swamp Thing attack, baby. They know he's coming. I was expecting a lot of, like, big battles and stuff. Nah. Swamp Thing just kind of walks around and bonks, dude. He just head bonks his way. <laughs> he head bonks his way. He just in. bonks him all the head. Picks him up a little field mice and bonking him on the head. That's it. He he bonks like 12 guys. Yeah, a couple heads together. But Swamp Thing bumps his way in, and he has a showdown with Gun, the head of security, and his truck with rocket launchers on there. 
Swamp Thing uses the tools of his enemy, and instead of using swamp powers, which would have been hard and special effects heavy, he just blows him up with a grenade. In the book, <laughs> sorry, I hate to keep doing it, but he picks up a grenade and he says, a pineapple, how fitting. And then he throws it at him. They're leaving some gold on the table here. <laughs> I know. Unfortunately, these delays and all the stealth bonkings have taken too long because Abby and Arcane are entwined in the experiment. Zarel's got them all hooked up and they're transferring Abby's life energy into Arcane. And the process is over, and Abby is dead, and Arcane stands up and says, Ah, enormous improvement. I, I feel 25. Not bad at all. And looks in the mirror and says, I, I look so much better. <laughs> but I don't know about you guys, but to me, I feel like he looks exactly the same. I couldn't tell the difference. You'd think that they would make a show of making his hair real gray and his skin real ratty coming through the movie, like, as it moved on, so that whenever you saw him the way he always does, you'd be like, oh, cool, yeah, he's he looks way better now. He never even acted like he was tired. Yeah, this is probably after the director pissed him off. <laughs> yes. All right, Louis, time to get into your eight-hour prosthetic series. I, I will not have it. It is too much... Well, here's the wild thing. So in the first Swamp Thing in 1982, he turns into like this weird lion monster from using the Swamp Thing DNA. And I feel like they could have easily just had him start to look more like that slowly. And then, I don't know. It seemed like a missed opportunity. I will say the graphics that they used to show Abby's life force being drained and going into Anton Arcane looks like a 1990s point-and-click adventure graphic. There's the tubes, a big pot of blood boiling in the middle of the room. I don't know what that was, but it bubbled real good for science stuff. You mentioned he becoming monstrous. I guess his only concession to special effects is there's one moment he looks down and he sees little yellow pustules on his hand, kind of a a floronic man kind of look. But we, we don't get too much of that. I don't know whether or not he just decided not to make up up at all or not, because Swamp Thing arrives quickly thereafter and then is even more quickly thereafter engaged by a mutant Dr. Rochelle uh, after being duped into getting injected by Lana. He emerges with his giant head. In the ensuing fight is the most one-sided fight in any movie ever. (laughs) It's just Swamp Thing whooping ass on this dude yeah. like he just keeps running towards him and swamp thing gets out the way punches him in the head get out of the way throw him against the wall punch him in, in the a head. very floppy head on a scale from one to floppy my man's head is an 11 they turned it all the way up and i sent a picture to the slack of his prosthetic slipping off of his head after he's oh, getting that that was. several times the prosthetics <laughs> slide back and you can see the guy underneath yeah it's pretty wild stop getting him punched in the head punch him in the stomach do a lot of body work you know that little head nodule directly a couple of times. It's effective, though. Swamp Thing eventually yeets that big brain boy right into that giant disintegrator in the center of the room, causing a chain reaction that's going to have the mansion self-destruct. He's on a three yeet maximum per pod. Two. Two yeets. I've done two. Three yeets. Okay. No more yeets for this one, but you're good. Up no, to I mean, that's fair. I feel like that's a fair number of yeets. Now we're up to six, though, so does it count to Sam also? He can't say yeet either, though, so, ooh, boy. I only said yeet. No, oh, no, no, that's it. Tax me on the next episode, only uh, two. Ha, 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 ha. I almost said it again. Swamp Thing retrieves his lady love as the building falls down around them. He walks off into the swamp as Arcane's mansion explodes, putting an end to that as Arcane was trapped by a falling door during the battle. So Arcane dies in an explosion at his own place, or so we think. Just about the second-to-last book thing I'm going to say, whenever Swamp Thing is leaving the mansion, Arcane gets one more exchange with the Swamp, and he says, Dr. Holland, will you tell me what immortality feels like? And Swamp Thing turns to him and just says, no. no. And then he walks off, which is really cool. Dope line. We didn't catch where Zarel switched the vials. Ah, uh, no, we did not. And then Arcane kills Zarel or uh, shoots Zarel. Yes. He so does. she switched the vials so his immortality or whatever he was trying to do wasn't it wasn't gonna stick either way. Mm-hmm. But he kills her in that scene. But in the book, this will be my last one. He shoots her and she's able to hobble out a secret door, uh-huh. and she gets out all the way to the front entrance, and in comes the leech monster, oh! 
to exact revenge and suck the blood out of her because she had him turned into the leech. Justice. So they circumvent that by making the leech monster explode. But that's a really cool bookend. Yeah. Full circle. Character loop. 27 days. You got to make it work. (laughs) Yeah. Or at least could we have fought some of the other monsters trapped in the basement? I was hoping that Swamp Thing was going to come in. Arcane was going to open the doors. All the swamp monsters were going to come out. We're going to have a big monster fight. What I wanted to happen, and it didn't happen in the book either. These monsters are so underserved. What I wanted to happen was for Arcane to, to turn back into this big monster he was in the West Craven one mm-hmm. and have another battle there, and then have Rochelle come out with his gigantic head, ah. and he'll start double-teaming Swamp Thing, kick his ass a little bit, but then somebody can release all of the monsters who don't have yeah, any quarrel monsters. with Swamp Thing. They have a quarrel with Rochelle and Arcane. So then they come basically to the rescue. That would have been cool. Well, they all blow up instead. They just died. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. You gotta, gotta tie it up somehow, and why not just blow them up off screen? But that's not the end of our story, dear listeners. We have one final moment, a quick epilogue, as it were, as we see Swamp Thing carry his lady love to his secret grove leans her up against her favorite sleeping tree, and then puts magical swamp energy into her, and she is resurrected. Although, not without a few side effects. If a little altered. I don't know about you guys, but of all of the movie monsters and gore and things of that nature, this part where a flower starts to grow out of Heather Locklear's foot was by far the freakiest and most off-putting part. I had much more trouble with the weird mutants that... Dr. Rochelle was putting together, but... The elephant face guy. And he made the elephant noise and a man scream at the same time. That's bad. There's a lot of rough stuff, but that flower did it for me. This is the end of the film that was Return of the Swamp Thing. So next, let's move on to how this movie might have differed from the original or source material. Let's move into the comic convergence. Saga of Swamp Thing, that would be where I was brought into the uh, Swamp Thing-verse. Volume 1, I think, is mostly Len Wynn, who's one of the co-creators of the character. And then in Volume 2 of Saga of the Swamp Thing, first issue wraps up Arcane, and the second issue, you're introduced to the Floronic Man. And that's the first one that Alan Moore wrote, The Anatomy Lesson, where they figure out that Swamp Thing isn't so much still Alec Holland so much as it's the swamp that thinks it's Alec Holland. And they bring up a, like a type of worm that if you teach it to walk through this maze or whatever, and then if you fed other of these types of worms pieces of that original worm that went through the maze, they would know exactly how to walk it. And they're saying that's what Swamp Thing is, where it, it's, it's putting together like these organs inside Swamp Thing that don't do anything. It's just a like a vestigial memory of Alec Holland. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. It moved from a man affected by science story into a more mystical, deeper universe of stories and possibilities there. I didn't read too much Swamp Thing other than the saga of the Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing is where I got into another character, really uh, one of my favorites, was first featured in an issue of Swamp Thing, John Constantine. He might make an appearance on this list as well. Overall, I feel like uh, we didn't get too much Swamp Thing vibes per se, but maybe not so much a comic Swamp Thing, a more moody Swamp Thing. This one is just a Swamp Thing that likes to bump dudes on the head. And for my part, I don't mind Let's move on now to some critical response or some reception at the box office as well as critically. The opening weekend of this film I have here, opening at 119000 Looks like the domestic gross for that was not much more at 192 Finishing off with a worldwide total of 274 Critically, it seems like this movie is doing a lot better now than when it was initially released as people are embracing the campy nature of that. On Metacritic, it's got a meta score of 39, so not great, but a user score of 6.4, which is pretty good. Also, we've got some good reviews by Rolling Stone. On Rotten Tomatoes, we've got an audience score of 28% and a tomatometer meeting of 44%. (laughs) I can't remember if I left that in the last one. I know. You didn't, actually. (laughs) 
Winorski's most known B movie is Chopping Mall. But oh, he also does dang. a lot of adult parodies of horror movies. Some of them, <laughs> I'll list, list off some names just because they're too funny. Please. Uh, Cleavage Field <laughs> for Cloverfield. The Bear Wench Project, which is nice. the Blair Witch Project. Paranocker's Activity, which is paranormal activity. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Witches of Brestwick. And its sequel, Alabama Jones and the Busty Crusade. Okay. The Hills Have Thighs. The Mm. House on Hooter Hill. There we go. Now. (laughs) Now we're talking. He has directed 150 (laughs) movies. Wow. Wynorski struggling against the the reins here, trying to make this a horny movie and put some nudity in it. I feel like every step he was like, hey, well, this would be a great place for some boobs, maybe. And people were like, no, we're selling this to kids. There's no boobs. Can't have boobs. Get as close to the boobs as you can get. No nipple. Well, this is a perfect segue into our very next segment. Who's your hero and who's your villain? So we're each going to pick two characters, either our standout, our favorite hero, villain, or someone who's had a good or bad performance, however you guys want to slice it up. Okay, Sam, you want to go first? I only want to go first because I have a feeling I'm stealing this from you, but my villain were those those damn little kids. God, you're they have no virtue. No. They're just digging through porn. Immediately after they get saved by the swamp thing, they hop on to a scheme to exploit him for money. Yep. That's some villainous shit. They suck. I hate those fucking kids. No film in the camera. We didn't even get no money for this. Ugh. 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 Well, you're right. You did steal mine. That was exactly where I was going. They are bad. Well, since you stole my bad performance-wise, uh, I will make my villain a actual villain. But I didn't hate them. I love them. And it's my girl poinsettia. I love her. She was stone cold from the moment she was on screen. She popped up. She projected power and reliability. She was on it from start to finish. Also, she's a crack shot. Killed two of those guys right between the eyes. She was great. It's a crime that she only got lines in direct relation to Gunn and them hooking up. I would have liked to see her get more, because she got the upper hand on him, and I'd like to see that play out a little bit sooner in the story, but it is what it is. 27 days, what can you do? There was the scene where he was doing a crossword, and he was looking for a five-letter word for armed security man, and she said, Moron. So that was good. My hero is Louis Jordan Arcane. This was such a good performance. It was campy in all the right ways. It I don't feel like it ever went too far. He never overdid it or underdid it. The very last shot when Swamp Thing is leaving, and to your point, Sam, I'm glad that you mentioned that, how he said, will you tell me what immortality feels like? And he says, no. With that kind of knowledge, watching that last scene, that's the look that Jordan is giving the camera. He looks straight down the barrel to look regretful and lost. He's not wailing and gnashing his teeth. He's just like, ah, well, fuck, it didn't work out. I guess I'm going to die. And I think that's great. In the book, <laughs> he's even more villainous because I forgot to mention this before, but Abby Arcane's mom does show up in it as a frozen corpse. She has a nightmare that the thing shatters and she has her mom's head in her hands. Super wild. Definitely cool stuff. Sam, you got to put a dollar in the book jar. You said you were done. You put one more in. (laughs) You're right. You're right. But I was using that to get to my point that my hero is Peter David, who took a very messy movie script and turned it into a great in-world addition to the Swamp Thing story. There we go. He hit the tone perfectly. They wanted it zany and over the top and a lovable Swamp Thing that's going to sell action figures. And I think you're right. This is that Swamp Thing exactly. In the comics, I can say that right. Hey, there you go. (laughs) His voice is a lot more stilted. And Mm -hmm. he says stuff very slowly with ellipses in between them. And in this movie, he sounds kind of like it works at a car dealership. (laughs) Smooth talker. A movie trailer announcer. They call me Swamp Thing. It works for the movie, though. If he talked like that, it would be really out of place. Since this one's coming in at a tight 87 minutes, <laughs> they didn't have time for all that. So maybe that's what maybe that what happened with the ADR. They got he was maybe stilted, more stilted in his speech, and they needed to snap it up a bit. How do you guys feel about this? Would you re- recommend someone give this one a watch? Yeah, if you like Swamp Thing, I said it about Batman. If you like Batman, you should watch Batman. If you like Swamp Thing, you should watch this. If you just like zany action comedies 
it's still worth a watch. There are a lot of cool explosions and stuff. I'm very easily amused, though. So I, if you were to take it from like a critical film as a piece of film, as a piece of history, it is exactly what it is, though. And if you like this type of thing, I do. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I liked watching it. I love campy movies and B-horror movies and things like that. And this fits perfectly in there. This is definitely a wild movie to watch. And I would suggest you watch it. Now, that being said, is this a good comic book movie that I do not think I can agree with. I loved it, but unfortunately for me, that rating of whether or not this is a good movie will be kind of skewed down. I did a lot of soul searching with this one, trying to come up with a numerical number that reflects the movie itself and not exactly my enjoyment of the experience. Because I love this movie, but unfortunately, I think this one is Gonna get rated a little tough. I don't think it's a very good movie, but it's great. I love it. It's not even the best Swamp Thing movie that came out in the 80s. So I, I don't mind saying it's a five. I loved it. If you had to ask me how much I loved it, I would give it a seven. But if, if I'm being critical, it's a five. There's a lot of fun stuff going on here, but yeah, there's lots of room for growth too. Speaking of of room for growth guys our next movie that we're going to be watching on our epic comic journey is 1990s captain america captain america all right well be sure to check out the next mini episode for all the deets on uh, captain america and maybe some places where you can find it if you want to give it a watch All right, well, thank you so much for sticking around and for listening and rating and reviewing this podcast. It uh, it really helps us out. Thanks, homies. Very special thank you as well to our social media manager, Dave. Uh, You can tweet at him, at the face of Dave on Twitter. Uh, Give him a follow because he's he's always putting out that great content. Uh, Special thanks as well to the cast and crew of Swamp Thing. This was just a a lot of fun to watch. Be sure also to hit us up with your opinions on Swamp Things and let us know anything we might have missed. You can reach us on Twitter at NerdaplexyPod, and you can also drop us an email at uh, NerdaplexyPodcast at gmail.com. You can also sign up to sponsor us on a monthly basis if you're so inclined over at anchor.fm slash NerdaPlexy. Now until we meet again, I'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. Was something tripping off that tube or two, or is that just Abby? Because that's weird.